Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and a very warm welcome to Wellness with Lizelle. Lovely to have your company today. And I'm joined by the CEO of the Bumblebee Conservation Trust, Jill Perkins, a fascinating fount of all knowledge regarding the not-so-humble bumblebee, as I discovered, actually, when I met her at a fundraising event, which was so very fascinating. I asked her to come on the show to share the love and the passion for these prolific pollinators. And under Jill's leadership, the Trust is on a mission to keep our bumblebees buzzing across the UK, with so many exciting projects, including building a huge 10,000 hectares of sustainable bee-friendly habitat. So, Jill, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. Have you always been a fan? I can see that bee is going to be a bit of a pun now. Every time I say the word bee, it's going to make me smile. Have you always been a fan of the bee? Uh, Not particularly bees. I actually uh, trained in conservation and botany, so it was flowers Mm -hmm. that caught my attention first. So, uh, And it was my father that uh, got me interested in nature and being out in nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a frustrated gamekeeper, worked in marketing in the aircraft industry, Oh, very different. I know, but every Sunday he would take us out on walks across the fields uh, and try and get me and my sisters interested in the birds and the flowers. And I don't think anybody really knows what they want to do when they leave school, do sure, they? No. But I knew one thing that I wanted to work outside in nature. Mm. So I followed my passion in conservation uh, and did a, an ecology and conservation degree. But um, you know how life takes you off in different directions. I actually, for most of my career, was spent uh, in a small business lobbying organisation and politics. Right. So uh, the flowers first, but the bees came very soon afterwards because um, bees and flowers have an integral relationship. They co-evolve together. And if you think back, it's a little bit like chicken and egg because a flower... Which came first. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's still a question that... Is it really? So there is no answer to that question? Well, there is. Um, They think the flowers came first and were pollinated by other creatures or by wind. And then the bumblebees evolved from wasps Mm. uh, into uh, flowering, into 
pollinating the flowers. So tell us the difference. I didn't realise until, and it shows my ignorant level of, of knowledge about bees, until I came to your event, that there's a difference. Not all bees are the same, and that honeybees are not bumblebees. No, that's quite right. So in the UK, we have three different types of bees. We have the honeybee, Apis mellifera, and it's just one species. And they make the honey in the hives. They make the honey in the hives. They also pollinate. They're pollinators as well. Uh, then we have the bumblebees. And everybody knows the bumblebees because they're big, fat, furry, stripy things. Uh, and there's 25 different species in really? the UK. So it's like you can't just say, oh, I have a dog. You know, you say, oh, I have a Labrador or a Spaniel. Yeah. It's the same with bees. You don't Absolutely. just say there's a bee, a bumblebee. You say there's a... There's a white-tailed bumblebee Indeed. or there's a red-tailed bumblebee. Or look, there's a tree bumblebee. <laughs> so there's 25 different species. And then solitary bees which are the lonely bees. Uh, they just live on their own. That sounds uh, rather sad. There's what, what? 250 of those. 250 varieties <laughs> of solitary, solitary bees. Bee. And they just hang out by themselves. Do you know these bug houses? Yes. And the, the canes that people yes, put in? Yes, we've made them in the magazine. Well, there yeah. we are. That's for solitary bees. For solitary bees. Because honeybees obviously live in hives. We look after them. They're domesticated. Bumblebees are our wild bees. And they live underground in uh, abandoned rodents' nests or in tussocky grass or like our tree bumblebee up in old birds houses. And how many would live together? It depends on how much food they've got uh, but usually between 50 and 400 you can get in Gosh. a colony. But they don't make any honey? No they don't make any honey. And do they support each other in the same way that you have a queen and worker bees? They do and all the workers are girls and the girls don't. Well that's no change there is there no. frankly? No the <laughs> girls <laughs> Got the boys, the boys actually just do two things. Mm. Um, they get drunk on nectar and have sex. No way. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> that is hysterical. But the girls come back as a boy bumblebee. You do. But the girls, the workers, they clean the house. They keep it parasite free. They go out and collect the nectar and the pollen. They look after the queen. They brood the eggs. They, they do all the work. The young. That is that is extraordinary. <laughs> And I, when I was at the presentation, I heard that certain bumblebees do certain things and they pollinate certain varieties of fruit and veg. For example, you were saying that there's one bee that pollinates tomatoes. That's right. And it, we're back to talking about how bumblebees uh, have co-evolved with plants. So the tomato flower, like the potato flower and the blueberry flower, holds the pollen very tightly in its anthers. And uh, bumblebees, because they have a chest full of muscles, are able to vibrate those muscles at exactly 400 hertz. And 400 hertz vibration is exactly what the tomato flower anther needs to open and release the pollen. So only bumblebees can pollinate tomatoes. Uh, honeybees can't do it because they don't have the facility to buzz at that vibration and neither can solitary bees. And because bumblebees have that very special mechanism and it's called buzz pollination, we actually import 65,000 boxes of commercially farmed bumblebees to service our soft fruit industry. No way. Because we don't have enough in this country. We don't have enough of our own bees. Nope. <gasps> 
And what would happen if we didn't have that variety of bee then? Well, I think it comes back to that diet and health and well-being. Um, there was a mythological or apocryphal story about we'd all die in four years mm. if the bees went. That's not entirely true. We would have a much poorer diet if you think of all the fruit and the vegetables. It needs a pollinator. Absolutely need pollinator. Um, and even if you think of dairy products, you know, well, cows eat grass and grass is wind pollinated. But within the fields that the cows graze in, there's always clover. Yes, there's and always the cows herd. really benefit from that. Yeah. Absolutely. And the quality of the milk yes, totally. is mm. uh, affected by the quality of the food that they're eating. So pollination also affects our dairy products. But it's a massive ecosystem when all those gorgeous birds that we enjoy. We talk about well-being and we like to get out in the countryside. The way our countryside looks mm -hmm. would change. The way our diet would look would change quite dramatically. And I think the way that we would feel about ourselves would change dramatically. Mm. Are, are bees global? So do you get bumblebees in every country doing this type of work? Not in every country. They, they tend to be in temperate countries, although they are found in Argentina. They're not found in uh, very much in, in the hottest countries because they evolved in the Himalayas. Um, they, they're you know, they're quite like temperate. They're not very good in this weather, this glorious it's weather. Too hot. It's July yeah, and we've been enjoying yeah, our summer. <laughs> <laughs> they're not very good in, in hot weather. They they tend to like more temperate conditions. Well, they're quite fuzzy, aren't they? So presumably they get they quite are. overheated. They do, they do. So in very hot weather, they'll go back into their nest during the, the hottest part of the day and come right. out later in the evening. So even commercial farming, you know, even intensive agriculture, would rely on pollinators. They, yes. They would buy in boxes of bumblebees to do that job. Well, the legislation and the uh, strict licensing rules about importing uh, commercially farmed bumblebees are quite natural. England mm. uh, holds the licenses. So it's mainly our soft fruit industry that buy them in, the tomato growers and raspberry to um, strawberry growers. I mean, you think about um, pollination and we know that most pollination takes place in this country in the summer. Mm -hmm. But hey, we might be eating English strawberries at Christmas. Yeah. And we will need a pollinator to have pollinated to have those. It. So They have uh, to work year round, these little creatures. Yeah, the farmed ones that we import from Belgium. Yeah, they have to work all, all year round. So. Gosh. And are they create, do they give them habitats to go and live in? Are they looked after properly? Well, the saddest thing about imported bumblebees... <laughs> Is that mm -hmm. once they've done their pollination, the licensing laws is that that box, that that nest of bumblebees should be destroyed. No. And the uh, soft fruit importer should uh, put them in a freezer and kill them humanely. <gasps> so they can't just be released to the wild? No, because they contain pests and diseases that might affect our native bumblebees. Uh, so they're kind of contained within polytunnels or yes, something like are, that? Yes, they are, yeah. And do you remember... Ash dieback. Yes, well, we had ash dieback on my farm. Exactly. So yeah. we've been importing whips that have pests yeah. and diseases that our native ash trees does didn't yeah. have. It's exactly the same with imported bumblebees. Although there is some rigorous screening now mm. to check them for pests and diseases, um, that screening won't eliminate all of those. Right. And we just don't know whether what whether they bring in any pests or diseases that may be transferred to our native so they can't be released into the wild.
Gosh, that's very interesting, actually. If you're somebody who is a very strict vegan, who's just eating, you know, soft fruits. Tomatoes. And tomatoes. <laughs> Gosh. But is, uh, organic kind of... tomatoes or tomatoes grown in your own garden. I always yeah, say... So to... why, why organic? Why do you mention organic then? Uh, they have different regulations. Uh, well, I think organic farmers are much more in tune with... They'll have much more variety of pollinators. They will, and because... they... They tend to grow food in a much more holistic yeah. and careful way with no pesticides, no, no nitrogen, no fertiliser. Yeah. And I mean, I, could, I think organic farming is a brilliant way forward, mm. but I know not everybody can afford organic food. So yeah. one of the things I always say to people when I talk to them about bumblebees is, you know, OK, do your shopping, but perhaps buy one item or yeah. two items that are organic, mm. maybe your carrots, maybe your apples. You don't have to go completely organic all the time. Yeah. And I think buying seasonal really helps too. Totally then, right. then yeah. you do tend to get more local produce that costs less. Yeah. And having a good freezer system. I, I do yeah. bulk freeze lots and lots of different things yeah. you know, when there's a glut. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky, I, have, I do have a greenhouse. So I obviously don't buy boxes of imported bumblebees. So how are my tomatoes in my greenhouse? Well, hopefully you leave the door open. I do, yeah. Yeah, and the windows open. So will the bumblebees come in? The bumblebees will come in, yeah, and they'll pollinate. And, and some, when the flower gets old if the if the pollinator hadn't been in and the flower gets old it will naturally open you'll get some pollination get some. Mm -hmm. uh, going on like that but you just won't get the the luscious big good fruit the That's quality of need. the fruit it's the quality of the fruit that is determined by the the level of pollination is it so the yeah. more it's pollinated the better the better the quality of the absolutely. fruit absolutely and apples Apple orchards, oddly enough, are best pollinated by solitary bees. Are they? Well, honey, if you think about honeybees, uh, are very slim and shiny. Mm. They're not very hairy. And uh, sorry, all you beekeepers out there, but they're rubbish pollinators in respect that they're extremely good at collecting pollen because uh, they need pollen. So they want it. They're pollen raisers. They want, really. they want the pollen back at their hive. So they're massively good at collecting pollen, but not great at pollination. Whereas bumblebees, big and fat and furry, and they have an electro that's their only job with the vibrating chest. Uh, they have an electrostatic charge on their fur. <laughs> you know, they just waft past the plant and the pollen comes at them. But solitary bees have hairs on their abdomen. And so when they land on an open apple blossom flower, the pollen just goes on their abdomen. They flick over to the next flower and their pollen is transferred. transferred. So a lot of orchards, a lot of apple growers really like to encourage solitary bees. So what can we do to encourage them? I'd love to get more of these amazing bees now. I know more about them. How can I get them into my greenhouse, into my garden? The best thing, the easiest thing that everybody can do is seek out bee-friendly flowers and grow bee-friendly okay, flowers. Okay, so what are they? Uh, lav I always say lavender. Lovely, great. Got lots of lavender. I and love I lavender. always say herbs. Herbs are very old-fashioned. Yes. And if got you let them flower... Just let them go. So let them go see, let them flower, go. Let yeah, them go, go. Uh, and they are brilliant. And I think everybody, whether you've got a little um, balcony or a patio. Yeah, a window box, anything. Everybody can yeah. grow a bee for any flower. Um, and you've got the alliums, which are really good, aquilegias. Great, I love them. And they are beautiful for flower arranging. Abs alliums are so sculptural, and I let the seed heads dry. Absolutely. In the autumn, dried. Yeah. If you like roses, choose yes. roses with very open faces, like dog roses. Because Perfect. another favourite of mine. Yeah, so they're the hedgerows, the, the yeah. real kind of hedgerows rose. Yeah, absolutely. So it is the simple flowers they like. Do and they? on our website, uh, we have a tool called Be Kind. 
and there's about 250 different bee-friendly flowers. And you can go on there, it's all free, and you can score your garden for bee-friendliness. Fantastic. And then it will give you 10 more flowers that you can grow to make sure you've got something flowering throughout the flight season. Yes, okay, so the flight season. So when is the flight season? So that is March to October. And then they go into hibernation. Do they? Yeah. So March to October is when we need to be focusing on our, our bee flowers or thinking about them for yeah. next year. And the bedding plants aren't great. Uh, the begonias, petunias, um, primulas, the colourful bedding plants that mm. you see, most of those have been hyb over-hybridised for colour and actually don't contain any pollen and nectar. Mm. So it's really important when you go to your garden centre or uh, wherever you buy your plants from, to just ask, are these, you know, these good for bees? Are mm. they bee friendly? The old fashioned flowers, even foxgloves. Everybody loves foxgloves. Yes, and that lovely image of the bee crawling inside I know, the foxglove. I know, I love so that. So what's in it for the bee then? Do they, if, if they're not making honey, what, are they getting fed from the pollen? Uh, well, the bumblebee lives on two things, nectar, sugar, and pollen, uh, which is their protein. Uh, and what's in it for them is they can they just they're like, feasting yeah they're just they're like flying sweeties their <laughs> abdomen they might have a chest full of muscle but they have an abdomen full of sugar <laughs> so so they are like flying sweeties and people sometimes ask me what's the main predator badgers love them do they oh it's like a sweet shop for badgers <laughs> don't they get stung no they have big tough mouths and yeah, they like the true. larvae as well oh no but the horrifically and i have seen this on television blue tits will await by the nest of a entrance of a nest of a bumblebee mm. and they'll catch a bumblebee and peck at its rear end oh and while it's still alive suck out the nectar that it's got in its oh, abdomen please is nature so cruel isn't it so often but um, what about water i've heard that when you see a dehydrated bee lying on the ground um, that you should put out a saucer of sugared water. Absolutely right. right. Yeah, don't do honey because honey contains diseases that may be able to spread to bumblebees. So we always say 50% sugar water is mm -hmm. absolutely great for a bee that's struggling with energy. Mm. But um, no, I, I mean, when I go into schools and I ask little children, what do you know about bees? And they always say two things. They sting and they make honey. Yeah. And that connection between that healthy food that we yeah, love and yeah. enjoy yeah. and who makes it and how it gets on your plate is completely disconnected. Mm. And there's been a whole generation now, I think, where they've lost contact with how that food. Yes. Uh, and I go on to say to them, who likes pizza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like pizza. Who likes tomato ketchup with the chips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just, well, you're not going to have any tomatoes if you haven't got you any bumblebees. bumblebees. So I always try and, um, you know, I, I, and I have a little table where I put all the gorgeous fruit out and vegetables out and then just a table with some white bread and some black tea, which is not pollinated. Right. And say, which would you like for your breakfast? Yeah. Um, and that's the starkness that yes. you see. So, One day I want to get a greengrocer to put half their shop non-pollinated and then... That's uh, such a great idea. And then half the shop to illustrate to why illustrate. we need. And, and I'd love it for regulars to walk in that greengrocers mm. and have a look and see. I don't know. I think why even yeah, yeah, even papaya I think is pollinated, but something over on the left hand yes. side that isn't pollinated by bees. And say, well, that's all you can have today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So why do we need the Bumblebee Conservation Trust if, if we know that they're such great pollinators? Well, are they um, endangered? Yes, they are. They, they have been in decline since the Second World War. So after the Second World War, we lost 97% of all our lovely colourful hay meadows. Everything went down to food, as it should be. Mm. We were hungry. And that was the start of the declines, because right. we took away their food. And then we have a growing population, and the pressure on the farmers to become agriculture intensified intensive, yeah. uh, put more pressure on. And then in the 1990s, we were introduced to new pesticides, neonicotinoids. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah, mm. and that is a little bit like bayonetting an open wound. By that time, the declines were well established, but that was just yet another thing. And then we have climate change as well. Mm. And the range in which the bumblebee likes to work is the cooler. We're getting hotter yeah. and their ranges are moving up, up country. We have a really rare bumblebee, the great yellow bumblebee. Uh, and it used to be widespread across the UK. It's clinging on now to Caithness and Sutherland and the Orkneys. It's, Gosh, and that's it? That's it. It's right on the edge. <gasps> So how can we help to preserve them and protect them and encourage them? Well, that is why the Bumblebee Conservation Trust was born. Um, it is to, in a nutshell, I have two charitable aims. One is to raise awareness, educate, inspire, motivate, enthuse mm. people. Well, I hope everybody is enthused here because yeah, it's absolutely to, fascinating. To love the bumblebee. Mm. And the other thing is for us to put, do practical action on the ground mm -hmm. and put habitat back. Right. And so we work with a huge variety of landowners from farmers 
and to be honest every farmer we've ever worked with is keen to put wildlife back on their yeah, farm yeah uh, if I, we've got time i must tell you about my trip to dingley dell yesterday oh yeah, definitely <laughs> we'll make time for dingley dell <laughs> so those are our two aims a to put uh, uh, more habitat down for bees in it, whichever way right. we can we do that through uh, big landscape scale projects and the other way is just to raise awareness like mm, you've invited great. me here today and can we make a difference as a small scale in, in back gardens with bee friendly plants will that help yeah bum, uh, the uh, gardens we've got a million hectares of gardens in this country and they're even more vital now than the, our rural areas so if everybody started growing bee friendly flowers it would make an enormous difference. Oh, fantastic that yeah. something so simple yeah. can make such a difference to habitat and food and yeah. food security and all of those things. So pesticides, yes. neonicotinoids, yes. tell me about that because I, I am an organic farmer yeah. um, but I, I work very closely for Love British Food with British farmers who are non-organic and there's mm. obviously a lot of controversy about the need for neonicotinoids and then the damage to bees. Mm. How does it stand from your perspective? Uh, well, neonicotinoids is a very emotive and contentious subject uh, and it is quite a difficult one and the trust we found it quite difficult but we are pleased that there is now a ban yeah um the 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 general public f uh, first thought that they were killing our bees but they don't kill they they have a what's called a sublethal effect on their bees and it affects the way they forage it, it'll affect the, the size of their colony um and that's all bees honeybees yes bumblebees, that's all bees that's all bees and i think um for the purpose of, of your audience, uh, neonicotinoids is a seed coating. It's called a systemic insecticide. Uh, what happens is that as the seed grows into a plant, it takes the, the insecticide up in the sap when the weevil, which was the main reason why they invented them, mm -hmm. bit on it, get a mouthful of insecticide, it would die. So, but what nobody really reckoned on was that insecticide going up into the pollen and nectar. Ah. Uh, and however many you know minute quantities is there, it is there, it's there. Mm -hmm. uh, that it would also then go into the soil and be washed into even if you've got edges of wildflower, mm -hmm. uh, it, the wildflowers on the edges of the field might pick it up. So there was a lot of, uh, of research done and it was really hard. A lot of lab research done, which was dismissed initially. And then there was some field research done. The only problem is, and, it, you know, I appreciate that farmers have to grow enough food on the smallest amount. We've got finite land in order to feed us. And I'll get on my soapbox about our cheap food culture later. Please do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so with you on that one. Yep. Yep. So there's a real <clears throat> tension there, isn't it? The farmers have to sell to the supermarkets. We want to buy apples at a ridiculous you know or food at a ridiculous price that's not yeah what it takes to so they represent have, the what the farmers get at all it doesn't in so many cases so there is that tension there mm. so i appreciate that the farmers and i wouldn't want the farmers to go back to spraying insecticide on which is what they've probably been left with doing yes uh as an alternative to neonicotinoids it would be wonderful if every farmer could farm without any pesticides or insecticides yeah. Um, if we were prepared as consumers to pay yeah. for that. Yeah. And also, you know, there are opportunities, I think, post-Brexit to make agricultural policy changes yeah. that can potentially adv advantage those farmers who are farming sustainably 
Um, well, can I mention Dingley Dell now? So now let's hear about Dingley. <laughs> what happens at Dingley Dell? <laughs> Dingley Dell is a farm. It's a pork farm over in Suffolk, and it's run by two brothers, Paul and Mark Hayward. And I was invited over there because their pork is state of the art pork. So they sell to all the top chefs, all mm-hmm. the Gordon Ramsays, Jamies, into hotels in Dubai and Hong Kong, yeah. and uh, they. They wanted a million bumblebees on their farm. So they don't just do margins. They have put entire fields down to bumblebee-friendly habitat. For their, They've got clover strips for their pigs. To, all their pigs are outside pigs rolling around. Clover, yeah. <laughs> yes, they are pigs in clover. <laughs> they've got pigs outside rolling around in their natural habitat. Yeah. And they invited me down and a few of their chefs that buy the meat yesterday. And um, what an amazing day. Did to you see, see those bumblebees? Yes, thousands of bumblebees. But oh, what was even better uh, was you walked in this field was the butterflies. It was like my childhood when I do remember seeing hundreds of butterflies. Mm. And there was a butcher um, from Walthamstow there as well. Steve, and he said, as we walked into the field, he said, oh, this reminds me of my childhood. And he was so right. Yes, really quite emotional. It was. I love butterflies. Do all these pollinators, do they coexist? I mean, do butterflies play a role in pollination? You see them hopping from flower to flower? Absolutely they do. All all of those insects that use flowers are pollinators in their own way. Mm -hmm. And bats are are, are pollinators as well. Birds can be pollinated. How are bats pollinating? Uh, At night, there's some flowers that open at night and uh, they'll pollinate those. Gosh, I guess we don't see that so much because we're not around them when they do. But it is the bumblebees are the keystone pollinators. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that do the most, they are the most efficient and effective mm-hmm. pollinators. You mentioned the children saying the two things, one is honey and the other is the sting. Mm-hmm. Is it true that if a, a bumblebee stings you, then it dies? No. Okay. Another myth so busted. Another myth. Great. Tell us <laughs> about the bumblebee sting. That's presumably, it's a self-defence. Yes, it mechanism. is. Uh, so the honeybee has what's called a barbed sting. So it's, it's like that awn on a barley that you see. Once it's gone in, can't you can't come, it out, right. So when a honeybee stings you, it takes its back end off and it dies. Right. A bumblebee has a smooth sting, just like an injection. So when it stings so you... Like a stab, it's stabbing yeah, stabs you, you. Sword, yes. and, then, and then it and flies off, off to sting another day. Right. And, <laughs> and do we react badly to them? People talk about being anaphylactic. Yeah. And is that because the bumblebee is, is different with its venom from... I mean, does it have no, venom it's from the a... same. It's exactly the same uh, if you get stung by a bee, any, any of the bees, mm-hmm. uh, then you still are at risk of if you suffer from an allergy. Yeah to sting uh, yeah you can get anaphylactic shock okay. but I'd just say bumblebees are really charismatic gentle creatures. are they likely to sting you if, I'm if you very see unlikely one. and I was showing the guys yesterday out in the field because we were getting really up close to bumblebees and on their fields when you get really close to a bumblebee and it's feeding if it puts up its front leg like it's giving you a high five it oh. means please stay away i'm frightened no leave me alone no. yeah and there's lots of pictures with bumblebees with their <gasps> little arm up like that and it's a warning mechanism please don't hurt me go away oh my goodness i'm and so they, they, touched <laughs> by hearing that they can, they can smell your breath so that's what they do. So we had a bumblebee in our kitchen the other day and it was just after I come to mm. your presentation at the Trust 
And, you know, my, my kids, they, they don't like stingy things. Mm. So they're used to sort of squashing wasps. And, mm. and I said, oh, my goodness, that is a bumblebee. That is different. I've learned it's different from a honeybee. What should I have done? Should I have just sort of opened the window and let it crawl its way out? Should I have offered it a glass of water? You know, I mean, what, what's the protocol when you have a bumblebee in the house? Um, it depends how mad it is up against. I know they can be a bit buzzy up against the window. I mean, the simplest thing, if your window does open, just open the window mm. and let it go. But I always use a glass and a piece of card. So mm. I put the glass over it, it and then nice just flower. take it out and thing. But um, it's if you can learn to identify bumblebees and you can learn to identify male ones, you can pick those up because they have no sting. They have no sting. So the sting... On... Oh, that's because all they're all doing is drinking beer and having sex. Absolutely. So they don't need a sting. No, they don't. Okay. They don't lay eggs and it's part of the egg-laying mechanism of the female. Is it? It's the ovipositor. So if if you can learn to identify males... Uh, how, how do we tell them apart? How, how... Uh, oh, well, you need a, we need to give you some training in BID. Okay, but if, if we go to your website... There yes, pictures of lots there's of pictures. Bees. Some of our bees, our male bumblebees, have a little yellow moustache, which the girls don't. <laughs> that is just ridiculously good. I tell you, that is, bumblebees are just the most fantastic creatures. Uh, you know, I think they're, they're absolutely brilliant. And I've never been stung. Have you not? No, never. So tell me, on stinging, what's the point of a wasp? <laughs> I mean, really, why do we have wasps? Because they're part of an ecosystem too. But they're very annoying. And sh and are. Sh are we allowed to kill wasps? Well, I don't think we should kill any creature, but I understand the, com the compelling notion they are quite to kill vicious, them. Aren't they, but they clean so. up all the carrion. They clean up all your dead flies. Do they're they? Also, they can also pollinate and they eat aphids and they're, they're carnivorous, so they're generally... What about a mosquito? What's the point of a mosquito? <laughs> I don't know. Now you're, asking, <laughs> now you're beginning to ask me things I'm about creatures I don't know. <laughs> we need to answer that question. Please. What is the point of a, mos of a mosquito? Okay. Answer perhaps, on a postcard. No, I think perhaps you ought to get a mosquito expert in I for will. your next podcast. Completely. If you know a mosquito expert who can talk I about it. I did read about <laughs> mosquitoes preferring people with different blood types. That's no help to me. Okay. They love me. So. <laughs> well, that is beyond fascinating and I just hope that everybody listening will be as enthused as I first was when I heard you talk and huge success with the trust thank you carrying on with your message and we are all going to be backing the bumblebee thank you very thank much you. and that is all we have time for today but as always you will find the links and all the resources that we've mentioned in today's show we might even get a few pictures of those lovely bees I like the idea of the Mr Yellow Moustache bee mm. uh, and they will be up at lizellewellbeing.com where you can also sign up to our wonderful weekly newsletter and don't forget to subscribe and that ensures that the next episode of wellness with lizelle is downloaded safely into your podcast app without you even having to think about it and if you'd like i'd love it if you could share this perhaps even leave a review as every little helps to spread this incredibly important word so until the next time we chat go well bye bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 